going to open the phone lines up for all of Hour 3 if you want to talk some Tennessee hoops or have any uh, thoughts on any of the coaching search stuff. 865-546-8200. Love to hear from you. Tennessee heads down to Georgia in what my friend Bob Baskerville has called a must-win game. It's a better-not-lose game as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, they. we were just talking. We are trying to search and find what if there is a meaningful point spread on this game. But I, I was just looking over Georgia last night, and we know they've won 10 in a row, um, but they're still number 72 on Ken Palm. Yeah, so and I think as far as yesterday, when I haven't checked today, it was like 85th in the net ranking. So like, not quite uh, a quality team. Not getting respect for what they've been doing. I maintain six and a half, seven point spread. I think is where it's going to end up being. Just yeah. from my, from what I think, I'm usually pretty good at being close on those. So yeah, I would imagine Tennessee's going to be seven point favorites. But this is a road game, but it's not nearly the quality of opponent that. That Mississippi State was, obviously. I, I agree. You know, when we talked with Will Warren earlier in the week, he talked about Georgia at the time their biggest win was over Wake Forest. I would maybe argue now, since we've had that conversation, they beat Arkansas the other night. And I know Arkansas may not be quite who they have been in previous seasons, but I think they'll get there. They're still a good team. Um, they're, Georgia's 12-3, and three, three losses to uh, Oregon, Miami, and Providence, all pretty good teams, but the margin of victory on average is close to 10 points. So um, I, I think that this is, this is absolutely a game that we should and need to win. Um, sounds like they're a pretty guard-centric offense. They have one big seven-footer, uh, but other than that, they've they run a lot of guards. Although uh, Jabri Abdur-Rahim, which I'm wondering if that's Sharif Abdur-Rahim's son, I don't know. Um, he's he's a 6'8 guard. He's one of their leading scorers, averages about a dozen points a game. But Mike White, uh, whatever the case may be, I mean, he's in, what, season two, and he's got him competitive for sure. Yeah, it seemed like a pretty good breakup for both. Like, Florida's playing pretty scrappy basketball. Like, they maybe find themselves on the bubble. And, and Georgia gets Mike White, who Mike White gets to avoid being fired, gets to reset his clock at another SEC school, and, and looks to be, uh, you know, doing a pretty good job at Georgia. Like, them being, what, we say 75th in Kempom and 85th in net ranking or wherever it is, like, that's a step up for Georgia where they've been over right. the last, you know, handful of years. So, this is probably the best team they've had in quite a while, actually, yeah. at Georgia. They're very similar to Tennessee in terms of, uh, if you look at some of the metrics like pace, they're both very similar in terms of their ranking. Not that Tennessee's tearing it up, but neither is Georgia. Um, I, I, this, again, if you look at their, their measurables, are all very similar. However, the big intangibles, Tennessee's done it against a lot of uh, higher-level teams. And so I, I just think that this is one I felt a lot better about, even after the Mississippi State loss. I felt a lot better about this after I dug a little bit deeper on Georgia. Um, well, I, I appreciate you know you giving Georgia their time and kind of giving us an overshot of their program and team. But to me, this is a game where it's about Tennessee. Yeah, it's about Tennessee. Like, how do they perform? Because there's not unless Georgia plays an A plus game and Tennessee struggles, then like Tennessee should win. Like that's the way I look at. It. Like Georgia has to kind of almost 
play out of their mind to beat Tennessee. This is about Tennessee getting back on track, quite frankly, because the loss to Mississippi State was a, an eye-opener, not not from the program, not from the team in general, but from you know the seniors we talked about, the super senior seniors, from Vescovy to James like and Ganey. Like, all three of those, I'll throw Ganey in there, all three of those were really, really bad. And, like, I want to see how they respond. And I do want to see how the team responds to a loss. Not to let it snowball. And, like, Kanzakaki, Piss Street going where he's been playing really, 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 really well and maybe been the best player on the team. And can Connect get back to what we think he was on pace to be, right? Like in the preseason or the early season where you thought this guy's going to be maybe SEC Player of the Year. You haven't gotten SEC Player of the Year version so far, or at least the last couple weeks. But, you know, last last game, the second half, he was one of the best players in the country. Yeah, we need to string some consistent performances together from Connect. Um, we've seen these kind of games before uh, this season, uh, but now what we can't, have is particularly not just Georgia you know going into next week their home games which you have Florida and Alabama you know these these are this is uh it's going to be big boy basketball so we really need connect on a regular uh, basis not just one game and then a couple games being off a little um, no he needs to come back and show that he has got his his swagger back I mean uh, you know he, he's got his confidence that he is going to morph back into kind of the killer that he was. And, you know, you talk about the next couple of games. In my opinion, any loss between now and the end of January is a bad loss and a very disappointing loss and starts knocking you down the, the peg when you look at seeding and chances to actually make a deep run in March. Like, because I know the regular season doesn't matter when it comes to March and, like, it's a crapshoot, but obviously you want as many wins to set yourself up for the best possible path, right? Like, the difference between being a four-seed and a two-seed is pretty big when it comes to making a deep run. That's right. So, like, Tennessee needs to protect that and win as many games as possible. But, like, from now until the end of the month, at Georgia, Florida, Alabama, both of those at home, at Vandy, South Carolina at home, like, all five of those games are better not lose us. That's right. Absolutely. I would agree. Um, you know, the other one I want to keep an eye on is uh, Adu um, to see how he bounces back. Because I mentioned Georgia's got a big, but he's just a serviceable big. This is not an elite big. We need him to come back and, and do uh, what Jonas is capable of doing. We didn't see that the other night. Is he the player you're most interested in watching and seeing how he responds? Is it Connect? Is it is it Josiah Vescovy? I think it's Connect. Okay. I, I want to see Connect do back-to-back you know, see if he can kind of get back to where you're. You could pencil him in for twenty points a game. And, exactly, and exactly. I thought in the second half. I mean, he got going by getting to the rim, and that was lacking in the first half. His rim attempts, like he's better when he gets to the rim and gets slashing, and then that gives you confidence to then start hitting some threes and to open up spacing. And guys aren't closing out on you as hard on the three pointer when you're blowing by them to get to the rim. And you know he's a really good finisher. Really, yeah. really good at drawing fouls. Maybe not a really good finisher. I think he's a good finisher in terms of taking contact and, and dunking, of course, and hitting tough layups. But at the very least, he's going to get to the free throw line. Yeah. You're, you're going to come out with a couple points whenever he drives, it just feels like. 865-546-8200 if you want to weigh in. You said we got a caller. We got Roberto on the line. Got Roberto on the line. Roberto, Roberto, welcome to the show. The floor is yours. Thank you, John. I'm really enjoying this show, guys. It's 
You guys are doing a great job. Thank you, sir. Chemistry's coming together. Sounds really good. Um, a couple of hitters. As far as tomorrow, you you guys, I, I like the conversation, and Bob, I tend to agree with you. Adu is the one I'm most interested to see. I think because he he guys, what is our deal against elite bigs? Is it is it true that you, in your opinion, have we played the four best big men in the country this year? Um. I don't know if I'd put Tolu Smith there. Um, I think he's he's first team All SEC. Yeah, I mean, I think he's good. I, I I'd have to think about who we would put in front of him, but I mean, the first three that we have all talked about ad nauseum at this point: Edie Dickinson and Baycott. There's no question; those are top three. Tolu Smith, maybe four, maybe five. I don't know. In the conversation, okay, absolutely, at least, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And and it's just we clearly don't have an elite big, you know. Awaka tends to size up pretty well against those guys, but he's just too small. He's just too short. He's physical enough, but a big physical a a physical big is going to be our kryptonite, I think, this year. Um, so you know, prayers up to avoid those in the twenty. Yeah, right? I, I couldn't help but think when you know Tolu got that uh, old school three-point play you know to win the game essentially over Awaka it's like what could have happened with Adu in there although Adu was he was getting pushed around a little bit in that game anyway a little bit Adu also got called for one of the the worst foul calls I've ever well how do you defend when your arms are straight up in the air and a guy goes up into you and the rule is if he comes into you it's not a foul and yet they call a foul there was a three that's remember his fifth foul yeah I think Tennessee has gotten a unlucky whistle you know, with their bigs against Zach Eady. I mean, I think the game plan was just to try to be physical with him, but, you know, you just kept fouling, fouling, fouling. On on yeah. the road at North Carolina, hostile environment, big crowd, we know college officials are swayed by that. And that kind of happened mm-hmm. against Mississippi State without the hostile crowd. It just happened like, hey, they're calling fouls on Tennessee's bigs every time down the court, it felt like. You know, both guys fouled out, including the game winner, where it didn't even feel like he got touched on that. But, yeah, uh, Jonas fouled out on one of the worst calls. Yeah. Well, um, to switch back, I, I wasn't able to call when you guys were, were doing the Bama stuff. Uh, I, I don't, Bob, I really don't agree with you all the time, but uh, today I tend to. So I, I, the one that scares me the most is Kalen DeBoer. I, the best thing that could possibly happen to the University of Tennessee and or any other SEC football fans right now is that Jim Harbaugh literally leave Michigan tonight and Michigan's job come open and because that's Kalen DeBoer's dream job, period. It is. He's told people. He's literally on the record saying that. I do not want Kalen, Kalen DeBoer anywhere near the SEC. I think he's elite. Mike Norvell's a very good coach. Uh, he also has a penchant for alcohol and gambling, so he's probably a perfect fit at Alabama. See also Mike Price. Um, but I, I just, mm, I don't want Kalen DeBoer anywhere near this conference. Cause I think he's really, 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 really good. Um, and lastly, guys, I, again, I appreciate the time. I think it's interesting and I want your perspective. I know you're not necessarily recruiting guys, but if Tennessee does land herd, which I think they're going to, and then they go in and, um, I just blanked on the kid's name. It's a five star that just decommitted from Alabama, the wide receiver. If we end up uh, 
Ryan Williams. Yeah, Ryan Williams. Tennessee uh, is apparently if in we contact get both with of them, them as well. Let, let's say that they both end up coming here. Do, does, do our coaches suck at recruiting now? If, if they get both, that's a big haul. Appreciate the phone call, Roberto. 865-546-8200 if anybody wants to follow and hop on. But, yeah, Ryan Williams, the five-star wide receiver, that was a big report this morning that Tennessee is really trying to swoop in on him, swoop in on him and try to get him on campus next weekend. He had been scheduled to go to Alabama to visit, and Tennessee is saying, hey, instead of going there, come here and check it out. It seems a little bit like a Hail Mary, but, you know, if you can time that up with getting a five-star lineman and, and, and getting George McIntyre to announce and, and doing all these things, like maybe you can get some big-time momentum. Sam, what do you think? He's been linked heavily to Auburn. I feel like right. that one's kind of – you're a little bit too late to the party yeah, maybe. But Auburn, we haven't talked about it yet, but Auburn, I don't want to say in shambles, but – Cadillac Williams stepped down today. Yeah, yeah. the Cadillac Williams stepping down last yeah. night, you know, caught a lot of people by surprise because yeah. he kind of kept that program alive right. when everything got ugly there. But just in this last week – They've got rid of their offensive coordinator. Their defensive coordinator called out the culture and said, hey, there's something rotten in here, and then left for a different job, a worse job somewhere else. And then, yeah, then Cadillac Williams steps down, you know, after being there the last handful of years and being one of the, you know, the, the fan favorites. I, I'm not saying Hugh Freeze is in trouble there because I don't think that's the case, but I'm saying if you're a five-star wide receiver – just because maybe you flirted with Auburn in the past doesn't mean that you necessarily want to go there right now. Some uh, some more news. Uh, Seattle radio station tweeted out, uh, Husky fans, you know, we know that you were looking forward to a visit with Coach DeBoer this morning, uh, oh, but no. at this time, Coach will not be joining oh, no. us this morning, but we will reschedule our interview soon. That doesn't feel good. He has an interview. He, he has is, an interview right he now. He is dressed in a suit and tie and has no time for uh, radio right now. Yep. Yep. Hey, before we go to break, one one more thing. Um, this is back to Roberto, if he's still listening, and that is we were talking about Biggs. The one that escaped me, but I couldn't think of his name that we haven't faced, is uh, Umar Balo at Arizona. Mm-hmm. I would I'd probably put him in front of Tolu Smith. But like we said, Tolu Smith's definitely in the conversation. He's a really good player. He's a very good player, and uh, – yeah, like I said, though, Adu should have his way this weekend. The, the Georgia Center is big, but okay, not not anything measurable. I did think his point about Michigan being interesting because uh, – Yeah, I'd not heard that one. Yeah, just because Michigan, if they are going to lose Jim Harbaugh, you, you probably – I don't know. I, I guess everything out of Michigan said if they do lose him, they're just promoting their defensive coordinator. So maybe like they wouldn't even call Kalen DeBoer. Maybe they have a, a New England Patriot-like succession plan in place. That's been kind of all the rumors. Yeah, I think there. it's Sharon Moore, right? Yeah, like they think Moore's just going to get the promotion and be like keep that rolling. You know, the players want it, would want it, and the recruiting and everything. And and maybe he has earned that job with how good you know the defense has been. So maybe like that wouldn't even really affect the Alabama search per se. If they were going to try to hire DeBoer, then yeah, of course. But I think everything there points to them just wanting to hire from within. Yeah, I mean, what's what was all this talk? It kind of came and went, but about Brian Kelly going to Michigan. I haven't it, seen that. Yeah, there was a little bit because 
Well, he used to coach up in Michigan. He's not from there. I mean, I, I just don't – I didn't understand that. It's kind of faded now, but there was chatter about that a few days ago. I feel like them landing, like, the number one player at three positions in the 2025 class kind of put that to rest. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I saw those reports too. That was, was that strange. Was that before or after he, they won the title? Um, way before. Yeah, it was way before. before. No, no, no. I'm, say, I'm saying the, the Brian Kelly to Michigan stuff was before yeah. they won the title? Yeah. Okay. Like well, a month ch- before. Maybe. Okay, well, it's that changes old. the math, too, because, like, I'm not following a national championship coach yeah. and going yeah. there and, like, yeah, yeah good point. I, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. I'm also just personally not going back to Michigan instead of being in the recruiting. Him and his grounds. family are proud, too, man. Yeah, they love he loves my family. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm staying down in Louisiana recruiting, and yeah, he does have what the. You said the number one quarterback, receiver, and running back? I believe so, yeah. yeah he's recruiting pretty well down in Louisiana. I don't mm-hmm. think I would leave there, especially especially now. If you're Brian Kelly, like we hadn't really talked about them, but if you're Brian Kelly, you might feel like you're the biggest winner of Nick Saban retiring. I didn't even think about LSU. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like That's we talked crazy, about the power yeah. vacuum and yeah. like, you know, maybe That's a big Georgia getting some guys and, and Texas getting them. Like maybe it's LSU. Maybe they <laughs> And Brian Kelly, like maybe they're the new power, or they're looking and saying, "Hey, we we're number two now. We can get there behind Georgia." It's true. We'll talk some more Tennessee basketball. We'll talk some basketball in general after the break. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. We were talking Tennessee basketball being a better not lose, and yeah, my, my takeaway from last segment was really just. The realization that I feel that way about every game until February. That 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 was the issue with the Mississippi State loss, Bob. Is I I'd give you one in January between everybody you played: Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Vandy, South Carolina. I gave you one loss, and you already have that in your second game. You, you you've used up all of your your sick time at work. You have <laughs> you've you've hit the threshold of classes you can skip before you drop a letter grade. Now you have to show up and do your job every time. You have no margin for error you got to cough tough it out show up don't feel good don't matter come do your job that's how i feel about the rest of this month tennessee needed to get out of it with one loss maximum they did that in game number two yeah yeah and i i look at the schedule like we just talked through before the break they're all absolutely games we should win uh most of them are at home um the one that's on the road after tomorrow is Vanderbilt, which surely we're not going to lose in Vandy two seasons in a row. Um, was but, last year the corner buzzer beater? Was that last year? Yeah, yeah, it was. And that feels like eons ago to me. I, I thought that was like four seasons ago, and you said last year. I was like, wait a second, that's the one we lost. And, and more critically, it was Julian Phillips not finishing that layup dunk, or dunk, yeah, you yeah. know, and trying to run the clock out it was uh we are the worst i I know i know he's your friend you got a line to him can you can you ask rick barnes what the hell happens on these fast breaks because we didn't really you know belabor it too much because we ended up coming back and tying the game but you know we had all of that quote-unquote momentum we were making a run and we get a four-on-one fast break and zakai throws it up to to josiah and he misses a layup and we don't cash in a four-on-one opportunity and they come down and get two points on the other end and you know, me watching at home, I was like, yep, that's it. You just lost the game there. And, but, you know, you do battle back and tie it. But what the hell do we do on these fast breaks? I thought that was more a Josiah thing than anything sure. else. It was just that, that was that that's that was classic Josiah. I've been saying that in a lot of ways prior to that game, he's been as valuable as anybody on the team. But 
he still has those moments where it's like, just you're big enough, man. Finish it the right way, you know. And and that was another one of them. Um, I also held Zakai a little bit responsible just because at that point with the way he was going, I would rather have Dalton Connect shooting a wide open three than Josiah shooting a contested two on that four on one break. And he he pushed it up and had Dalton there on the wing and could have you know given it to him. Instead, we go in and miss a layup and give one up on the other end. So, yeah, Phillips cost us the Vanderbilt game last year by not being able to finish. And then they hit that corner three. So, yeah, surely we don't we don't drop another one there. No. Now, so, I mean, to your point, I mean, right now we're, what, 11-4? and four Should be, you know, could look at Tennessee being 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 and 4 going into Kentucky. That's really the, – that should be the goal at this point. 16 and 4 – Six and one in the SEC. Like to me, that's that's the mission. That's the mission. Rick Barnes has done a really good job during his tenure of of protecting home court. We don't really lose at Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center. We don't really lose games there. It's true. Your two road games are at this point, I mean, two of the easiest road games you could have in the SEC, right? I know Georgia, you know, whatever. We talked about their win streak. We talked about their rankings and all that. But, like. They're better, but they're still Georgia. Right. They're still Georgia. And then Vanderbilt, are they still the worst team in the SEC? Oh. Is anyone yeah. worse than them With, this year? Without question. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's kind of what we talked about with football yesterday. Yeah, it's on the road, but Arkansas and Vandy, those, those don't really count as far as when I'm taking into the season projection. That's how I feel right now going into Georgia. And then playing Vanderbilt. Please, God, don't lose to Georgia. Please don't be 0-2 after coming on the show, Rick Barnes. Please don't <laughs> drop a game like this. I think Rick Barnes' teams do that well, too, coming like responding well after kind of that bad game. You know, I, I don't think they – I don't think Barnes and that coaching staff kind of lets that team kind of continue on their, their sloppy basketball or anything like that into a two- or three-game stretch. Like, I, I expect Tennessee to come back and have a good response. We have, I, go ahead, Bob. No, I was going to say, I can't. I, I'm sure there has been, but I, off the top of my head, I can't recall, you know, like a multiple game losing streak right, with, right. with one of his teams. Um, yeah, I was going to say, like, of course, there was a three game losing streak this year, but that was Purdue, Kansas, right. at North Carolina. Right. Like, though, that's not your typical SEC yeah. run, your typical schedule run. That was number one, number two, and then go into a, a really tough place to play in terms of Chapel Hill. Looking back last year, um, you had one two-game losing streak against at Vandy. We talked about it, and then home against Missouri, where they beat you on the half-court shot or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I remember that was a week out of hell. And then yeah. you turn around, you beat number one Alabama to respond, and then you did lose two in a row at Kentucky, which you played a terrible first half and then rallied in the second half, and then lost at Texas A&M in that really ugly Tuesday mm-hmm. night game. So you had two separate two-game losing streaks, but no three-game losing streaks, no real tailspin. It doesn't typically happen with yeah. Rick Barnes. You are right about that. Yeah, and I, I was looking ahead into early February. I guess, well, February 10th, you just mentioned, uh, I hate having to have that team go down and play in College Station. That's just a, it's a rough place. 2021-22, you had no two-game losing streaks. You, you, you responded after every loss with a win. And then, yeah, going back to the 2021 year, that wasn't a great year for you in terms of what you did. That's, that's the year you lost to Oregon State. But even then, you lost two games in a row only once against Florida on the road. That was that really, really ugly performance where they beat you by 26. 
and then you lost at home to Missouri. So one two-game losing streak. So not many. Not many. T- Tennessee typically has responded very, very well under Rick Barnes. God, you conjured up bad memories for me. I remember that Missouri game. I'd <laughs> yeah. forgotten about it. The one last year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. the shot at the – holy God. Well, that that was bad – and it was right at the peak of like the metrics loving the team, yeah. And kept the metrics kept telling you this was a top team, and like the results weren't there. And you're like, you know, you're losing, but and it's like, yeah, but you lost. Yeah, I know we lost, but no, no, you lost. That's all that matters. Yeah, but the team's good. We're hitting shots. We're scoring. Yeah, but you lost to Missouri. Yeah, I know, but it was kind of a fluke. Like you, you didn't finish the ball, and like I think at that point, I think Tennessee missed a free throw. Right, I believe Tennessee. Or there was that weird foul on the free throw that stopped the clock and let them inbound it, or something weird happened there. And then, yeah, they have a chance to throw it and, and, and beat you from like basically a half court shot, which followed up again the Vanderbilt corner three. So you're like, wow, two games that you lost that you you know you, you should have easily closed out both of those. It was just you beating yourself. Yeah, but you lost. Yeah, we've been talking about connect, and we've failed to mention it, but Bear's saying that uh, he's on the midseason Wooden Award watch list. Okay. Uh, One of 25 players, um, which to me is saying a lot because he has had some subpar games too. I mean, I appreciate him getting the recognition, but I just don't see how that would stack up. Who, who, Who is the best player in college basketball? Is it just a runaway for Edie? I'm going to sound biased. I think it's Edie. Yeah. I don't think it's biased. I mean, his numbers yeah, are just going to look ridiculous to. at the end of the year, and he's going to be on a top-ranked team. I just didn't know if if there was anybody else. Who, who's the top NBA prospect right now in terms of draft picks? Because last time I feel like I checked an NBA mock draft, it was just a lot of the G League Ignite guys and like not really anybody that was actually playing – this does kind of feel like a downturn year in terms of like it almost does seem like G League guys, like international guys, is kind of that top prospect. Like I don't know, like to me, almost Rob Dillingham seems like the most projectable, maybe like college player that you've got right now in terms of like a top five pick. This 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 mock draft I'm looking at only has one guy in the top six that's a college player, and it's Jacoby Walter from Baylor. I haven't watched okay. Baylor yet this year. He's good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Six foot five. Yeah. Freshman, two guard. Okay. Cody Williams, another one from Colorado. Yeah. He's a freshman. He's projected number eight on this. Reed Shepard at seven. Shepard's above Dillingham, really. That that blows me away. I I I think Shepard's really good, but I don't know about seven. I agree. He can shoot the ball. He's very well rounded too. I mean, you know, Jay Billis always talks about how he's the best well rounded team on the player or most well rounded player on the team. I'm sorry. But yeah, of of this projection. The top three picks, all international players, and then you got two G League players as well. So yeah, I guess I guess that does check out to what I feel like when I'm watching college basketball. Is there's not a lot of like top level NBA talent there, kind of lurking, which is fine. I mean, the college game doesn't have to be an NBA feeder system. I think that's okay. Was it Dickinson that won last year? Wooden. Um. Good question. I I can't recall to be honest. I feel with like you. it was, but it doesn't carry the same way as the Heisman apparently because I don't I have no clue who won. Do uh, I just here's here's the names of the guy. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I just don't know. Are there have there been like repeat Wooden Award winners at all? 
I doubt. I, it. I feel like it's not really a thing. These are these are the names on the list right now. Um, there's top 25: uh, David Jones from Memphis, Dalton Connect, Tennessee, Jaden Ladee from San Diego State, Caleb Love, Arizona, Antonio Reeves, Kentucky, Mark Sears, Alabama, Reed Shepard, KJ Simpson from Colorado. Um, and then it says three schools have two players on the list, uh, Kansas, Hunter Dickinson, and Kevin McCuller, Kentucky with Reeves and Shepard, and North Carolina with Armando Baycott and R.J. Davis. Um, you know, uh, last year's recipient was Zach Eady. Yeah. I was so say, the last... so he, he, he may be one that could win. Maybe, But I don't know. Maybe you aren't allowed to win twice. I don't know. Eady and then Sheblay. Luca Garza, Obi Toppin, Zion Williamson, those are your last five winners. I'm looking through scrolling here. I'm not seeing any repeat. I thought if anybody would have do it, it was maybe Hansbro, you know, back in mm-hmm. his day in North Carolina, but he was sandwiched between Kevin Durant and Blake Griffin, so he didn't do it twice. Doesn't look like there have been any repeats going all the way back to like 80, 80 I'm all the way back to Ralph Sampson did it in 82 and 83. That'll be interesting because, I mean, it doesn't really feel like there's anybody that's dominating college basketball more than Edie right now yeah. in terms of an individual performance. See, I guess he could be your first repeat winner since Ralph Sampson back in the 80s, so 40 years ago. And they're both the same height. <laughs> Are they really? Yeah, both 7'4". Do you remember watching Ralph Sampson? Oh, yeah. They talked about it. Like, he was kind of like – Today's like he could play in today's game, right? With like the shooting as a big man and everything, right? Like yeah, I I was I have to say though, as he was obviously good, he wasn't. I didn't, I never found him to be dominant. Okay, um, I guess because he stood outside and was shooting jumpers. I yeah, guess. but you know what? He then he came into the NBA and he actually performed at a level in the NBA for a while that I didn't expect either. He and and I guess because maybe he was better suited for the NBA game, you know, at the time. Um, but uh, well, it's nice for Dalton Connect just to be nominated for absolutely. that award, and I do think he has a chance to play his way into being like a finalist. I, I know you said that you know he doesn't really have a chance of winning, which I do kind of agree with. But I do think he has a chance of playing his way into a finalist and being like a. I still think the All America team is still within his grasp. Like for as bad as his stretch was, I think he did enough in the premier like non conference games Tennessee had. That if he has a good SEC play, that they're not going to really pay attention to that little swoon against North Carolina State and Tarleton State. Like I think we'll just kind of look at that and say it's all right. He can still get his average back up to the 20-point 20, 20 mark with the good SEC conference. It is interesting how fleeting SEC it is. You know, this uh, the whole mock draft stuff comes and goes. And it was not too long ago where he was projected as a first-round pick kind of borderline lottery pick and now he's projected as a second round pick yeah it's kind of moving uh on him but he could he can straighten that out still yeah that's what i'm looking at here has him at number 38 yeah which i do think he's going to get a shot regardless just because of his his shooting ability yeah but i do think he has a chance of playing his way back into the first round because whenever he's on he does feel like one of the best players in college basketball. Oh. Like in that second half against Mississippi State, you're like, we haven't had a performance like this in a long time of a guy on the perimeter that can just catch fire and feel like he's getting you to the finish line. Freaky athleticism, um, in my opinion. 
and we had this conversation on the Sunday show one day a while back. I'd love to pick your guys' brain on this. If you were to associate, because I heard all sorts of funky comparisons. In the Whenever early... I saw you loading up that funky, I was like, what a second. Hold on, Bob. No, no. <laughs> hold on, Bob. No. Uh... Well, hold on. <laughs> um, the comparisons of Dalton Connect, you know, I've heard, I've heard Larry Bird, I've heard JJ Redick, and it's like base it on the game, not the color, the color of the skin. Of skin. Yeah. Um, but I'd love to hear if you thought of an NBA player because I had one or two, and um, like who you would associate, like what we see in Dalton, what he could correlate to in the NBA. Yeah, I don't know because I don't know if his athleticism is going to be enough to be like that premier driver, right, to get to the basket and. It is funny that whenever you talk about, uh, you know, the comparisons, it was kind of like Tyler Hero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just another white yeah. guy. Like, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. You know, I think his floor, another white guy, Duncan Robinson is like kind of his floor in terms of shooting off screens and such. To me, he reminds me a lot in terms of his college game. I think he's like a perfect blend of like Gordon Hayward and Grayson Allen. <laughs> Two more white guys. Uh, yeah, but like he plays. I mean, I don't know. Like I think he's kind of got that athleticism that Grayson Allen has, and I think that like he's got that very smooth <laughs> like maneuverability that Hayward always played. Well, with. I mean, it is funny, and like you're not wrong, and I'm doing the same thing. And, and the announcer, I thought those commentators on Wednesday were two of the worst I'd ever heard. And it's like they had never watched a Dalton Connect game. He, oh, yeah. he dunked Look at the like, athleticism. Yeah. He dunked the ball. Oh, my God. Yeah, they keep talking about that Mark Wise, like, coach. You know, and it's like, where did you coach, man? I, I yeah. don't know. Um, okay, the two I thought of, and and it's probably a little lofty, but, um, I'm again, I'm just thinking about game. The ability, can it match? I don't know. I thought of – Scotty Pippen minus the defense because <laughs> that's but, but Scotty Pippen's defense was kind of the whole thing. Yeah, but I mean he could shoot the three and he could slash and all yeah. those other things. And then I also thought Grant Hill, you know, I mean just that kind of size and everything else. Now, those guys, Grant Hill, if debatable, could have been a Hall of Famer if he could have stayed healthier. But um, my I, my perception of Grant Hill especially young Grant Hill, was just way more athletic than Dalton. Like, I, I don't really remember that. Yeah. Outside of him being on, like, my Sprite cans when I was, like, four, like five and, like, <laughs> knowing that he was supposed to be a big deal. But, like, from those highlights, they just seemed a lot more athletic. And, of course, hurt his knee a couple times and then became just a really good, like, role player. I'm going to push back on Scotty just because I think whenever you say Scotty without defense, like, that to me is just a whole different player because – Scotty was one of, if not the best perimeter defenders, and I don't think is quite the, was quite the shooter that Connect is. I mean, I feel like Scotty was like a a shooter for the '90s NBA, right? Like a 33, 34 percent guy. And I think if Connect is going to be an NBA player, he's going to have to be up closer to like the 37, 38 range. How about Jason Richardson? See, that's another guy like the dunk contest. I think of when I think of wow. Jason Richardson, I think of dunk contest. Like I, the athleticism seems much greater there. Like Connect's athletic, but I think. Maybe he's athletic whenever you look at him and he's a white guy and it's a sneaky athletic. Like, I don't know if, you know, you can line up and just have a measure like in the combine just yeah. versus like everybody in the draft. I, I think he still does benefit a bit from you don't expect what you get out of him. Tweeter writes in about the basketball team. I think our biggest problem is our shooting guards can't shoot. Well, I won't say Vescovy can't shoot, but I'll say uh, between him and Ganey right now, they're not shooting well. He says, I don't know what the hell is wrong with Vescovy and Ganey, but they're horrid. Our bigs are soft. Tough for us seeing tough for him seeing us making a run with this team now. 
Another tweeter writes in, Tayshawn Prince. I mean, he does have that, that lanky build, but again, you're thinking of another great defender. Like, it, yeah. it, like Tayshawn Prince was a defense guy that could occasionally knock down the shot. See, I, I still think of Connect, obviously, as predominantly offense that's going to have to catch up on defense which is typically what the white guys in the league, that, that's kind of their reputation coming in. So I, I'm sorry. Sometimes the, the biases and the stereotypes, they fit. What about Bobby Hurley? There you go, Bobby Hurley. Uh, he, reminds me of a, a less, he reminds me of a more athletic, less tall version of Christian Leitner. Uh, a taller J.J. Redick. John Stockton, but taller without Don't, the passing abilities. You guys have totally wrecked my theory here. This is, uh, yeah, good Lord. Let's go to break. It's uh, the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Billy writes in saying, Dog Connect reminds him of Hidu Turkaloo and Paul Pierce. There we go. Hell yeah. we're, we're branching out from the white comparisons. Good job. Good job by you, Billy. Although I do think, like, Sam, you're, you're Gordon Hayward. You're Gordon Hayward's pretty good. I, do, I agree. He reminds me a lot of Butler Gordon Hayward. I, it, it's hard to, like, Maybe just because he looks like him, too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're looking for, like, a tall, lanky guy who could score. So I was about to say Paul George, but, like, he doesn't have the athleticism of a Paul George. Like, that's offensive to Paul George, who, like, maybe, like, college version of Paul George, maybe. But it's hard to, like, say that knowing, like, he went on to the NBA and, you know, became, like, a great two-way player. And I assume had – great defense in college too so i don't know we'll, we'll stick with gordon hayward 865-546-8200 let's go back to the phone lines let's grab matthew matthew thanks for holding through the break the floor is yours hey i just want to say before i ask my questions you guys bob john sam you guys are y'all, y'all are making making magic right now i know for the last couple seasons a couple of years we've watched you know three and out be, be you know the morning show but I really like what y'all are doing. Just hey. really appreciate you guys bringing in the insight. Hey, thank you. Appreciate thank that, you, man. Appreciate that. Um, this is a question for you, Bob. I, I, it's curious for you guys watching the games that we've watched over the last, you know, couple of years under Coach Barnes. It feels like this team, if it's going to make that magical deep run that we've always talked about, we're going to have to get better post defense and post offense out of our bigs. And it feels like the small sample size we have, we're over four in games where just Jonas Adu and Toby Walker just do not compete at the level of physicality against their bigs. Now, they have played very elite bigs in Hunter Dickinson and Zach Eady, but it just feels like any time a quality big man is played against Tennessee, they just have a no-show. And so my question for you, Bob, is can this team actually learn from that and find a way to band-aid that, or is it just going to have to be an issue where Jonas Adu has to show up? Well, of course, I, th- I I bet they're trying to to figure that out and learn from it. I mean, that's we heard a little bit of that from Coach Barnes that they they you know he was of the mind going into Mississippi State that Jonas had grown from those games against the those three premier bigs that we faced in November and early December. But um, I, it's a great question. I think what we saw on Wednesday with uh, with Jonas against Tolu Smith is. You know, Jonas is long, and he's still, you know, he's still a, a bit slighter than some of these other yeah, he players. Have the that's that's the challenge, you know. And then so we got it's it's a it's a shame we couldn't get a a hybrid of both him and Awaka because Awaka's got the the beef, you know, so to speak, but he's not tall enough. Yeah, I kind of want to say like you know you talked about the lack of physicality. I do think Toby's been up for the physicality, but also want to point out, mm-hmm. and, and it's something we kind of forget as the, we, the further we get away from it. 
He only played seven minutes against Kansas. He got hurt, right? Like against Purdue, he had 12 minutes and fouled out. That was kind of on his own volition, although some of the fouls were a little questionable. I believe his last two, if I remember correctly, were, were bad calls. He didn't play at all against North Carolina. He didn't get a chance to go against Baycott. So, like, ideally Tennessee is going to have 40 minutes of, of Adu and Awaka banging and able to do that. And so far in most of these matchups, Jonas has been kind of left out by himself, Mississippi State game aside. Like, that's really the only game where you had both guys, you know, for all, all 40 minutes. Yeah, and I agree. And I'm not so concerned about the remainder of the SEC uh, conference play for that situation, Matt. What you just talked about, as far as interior defense, et cetera. Um, but it's I, to your point. I think it is a, a concern to build towards once we get to tournament time, because then you don't know what you're going to go up against. Um, I was trying to remember last year. Was it last year when Tennessee played? Was it Louisiana in the early round? And if you recall, Louisiana had a big that actually was productive. You know, it's like you just – those are going to be the games that we – you can't foresee until the tournament seedings happen and you don't know what you're going to go up against. But I I do think that uh, it's a genuine concern for everyone, uh, but we've got who we've got. There's that argument, do you let – Someone like Estrella get some minutes now uh, during conference play to just try to get somebody with some, you know, again, if nothing else, some fouls to give, basically. Um, the ability, I'm not sure, is entirely there yet. It could be, but. That's, but that, Bob, that's not going to solve our concerns for the tournament. Like, Estrella can develop and, you know, give you some fouls, but I think to. To Matthew's point, you're still going to be worried about that when it comes to tournament. Time. Oh, of course. Yeah, like yeah. Estrella's not going to like solve that issue. I think it has to be Jonas, and it has to be Awaka. You know, kind Agreed. of rising to that level. Agreed. I'm just trying to think of what are yeah. the stop gaps to 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 get ready for that because we saw it the other night. I mean, with Jonas fouling out, and then you then you're down to Tobe. Tobe had four fouls too. It's like what yeah. happens if there was another foul that yeah. happened there? So anything else, Matthew? No, I was just going to say, Jordan Brown's the center from Louisiana Lafayette that yes. had the 16-point game against us. He's actually at Memphis now. Uh, that's all I'll end it with. I think you want, you would have won that game if Josiah and Santiago had just combined for more than five points. Yeah. But like we've seen in this conference, it's never easy to win on the road. We just have to learn from it. I'll end it with this, guys. 14 years ago, Lane left us. Hold on to your butts, boys. Have a great day, and as always, <laughs> go balls. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. That was a good call. That's a great call whenever you start by complimenting us. Thank you. Well, yeah, of course. Matthew always, Matthew always loves complimenting you. Yeah, Love yeah, Matthew. I appreciate it. The bigs are going to be an issue, but I, I do think we do forget that Awaka wasn't really there for some of those games. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, yeah. And the Purdue game, I don't think like the officiating was bad just in the sense of I think – Tennessee came out with the game plan to be physical. Like, you could see that from the get-go. They were going to try to rough up Edie and foul him. You might get away with that in the tournament. Sometimes they'll let tournament games be a little bit more physical. In that particular game, they didn't allow that. So you had just guys just foul, 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 foul. And outside of that, you didn't have him against North Carolina. I do think he would have made a difference against Baycott because I do think he would have been more, you know, he's thicker. He's girthier. He'd be allowed oh, to I think, bang a little I, bit I more. I totally agree. Yeah. I, and I forgot about the fact he didn't play at Carolina. He could have definitely helped neutralize Baycott. Yeah. There's no question. Now, I don't know what he would have done against Dickinson. I don't know what, you know if he, if he would have been able to really affect Kansas if he was able to play you know through the ankle issue. But 
hopefully moving forward and in the tournaments, you, you get both of those guys. But the fouls are a concern. The fouls are a concern, obviously. All right. Uh, anything else Tennessee-related? Anything else? I did see uh, a guy that went on SEC Network. His quote got me pretty excited that says, if it's not Kalen DeBoer for Alabama, I'd start to get really, really, really nervous. Which, I mean, I, I do think that's kind of the sentiment. Like, they've already struck out on option one. When you start going on that checklist, then you start really – it's a slippery slope. And Kalen DeBoer is officially maybe the cliff in terms of that slippery slope. Is that the last guy that you get before it starts to become, like, assistant coach, haven't had any head coaching experience territory? I guess Norvell is the safety net, maybe. maybe. He might maybe. just want to stay. I don't know. But I do think, like, Norvell, you know, I, I know I posed the question in hour one, like, are we sure Norvell's not on the same level as DeBoer or, like, you know, Norvell's resume? But I do think just perception-wise, and sometimes that's reality, perception-wise, I think across the country would be, like, DeBoer's a superstar in the making, Norvell's just really good. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the difference there. I think Bob was right about DeBoer being that guy that's would still be seen as, like, wow, Alabama hired a home run. Norvell's like, hey, you know, they, they hit a double, and we'll keep it moving, and we'll see how it goes. So, yeah, I think he's, like, kind of their floor. I don't buy the Loxley stuff. I don't buy the Tommy Reese stuff. But we'll have our answer when we come back on Monday as we yeah, get ready to look ahead to the weekend. Like, we should know who Alabama's coach is by Monday. Bob, what's on the menu for this weekend? Well, we talked about NFL playoffs, covered that. College basketball, there's some uh, there's some good games. Uh, looking in, internally into the SEC, the game I'm very interested in is Kentucky going down to College Station against A&M. I think that's going to be uh, that's going to be a stiff test for Kentucky. We'll learn a lot about them in that one. Um, staying in conference, uh, Bama going to the Hump where Tennessee just played against Mississippi State uh, should be another, a nice matchup as well. Um, LSU uh, goes to Auburn, and I have a feeling Bruce is going to. Just smack them, run them off the floor. <laughs> yeah, Auburn number four and Ken Palm LSU number seventy-two. So uh, that's better than I thought LSU would be at. Yeah, honestly, yeah. On a national level, big game is. Uh, well, I was going to say in the Big Twelve, and it is, but it's the last time it'll be two Big Twelve opponents. It's Oklahoma going to Kansas, number nine at number three. Okay, I haven't really seen much from Oklahoma this year. So Oklahoma top ten team, huh? Apparently they've okay. they've uh, they've only lost uh, I think two games. Um, they were undefeated for quite a while. They've lost two in the last couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, so I you know Kansas uh, fresh off a loss to Central Florida. They're playing in Fog Allen. You would think that they'll they'll get right in that one, but uh, we shall see. But uh, you know that's uh, some of the usual suspects. I mean Penn State's playing at Purdue, so Purdue should take care of business there. Um, that's that, those are really the big games. Houston going to TCU. That could be interesting. You know, TCU's got a good team this year, and they're not ranked at the moment. But uh, Houston coming off of a loss, right? They haven't played in between that last loss. Exactly. Yeah, and, so. and TCU's coached by Jamie Dixon. He does a nice job there. That 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 could be a sneaky good game. So, um, so definitely some uh, some games of note for the weekend. And 
Uh, and we got NFL, and you know NBA will fill in some holes for us, and then uh, we'll still have an NFL game to preview on Monday when we come in too with that uh, exciting Eagles Tampa Bay matchup. Your Pacers versus my Hawks tonight. I feel like these teams play all the damn time. It feels like I feel like we've already played like five times this year. If you're gonna get them now, John, you better yeah, do it without yeah, Halliburton yeah. in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Sam, you got any best bets of the week? Anything you've got circled in the NFL games? Uh, yeah, I think I am going to be probably taking that potential rat line. I think a lot of people are on that Rams team, but I'm going to go with the Rams. Um, and I think oh, I'm so going to go. You're eating the cheese. Okay. Yeah. You said you're taking the rat line. Yeah, I'm right. taking the rat line. Um, <laughs> I like Cleveland too. I, I think that that defense is really solid. And I think Joe Flacco is going to play another solid game. I think that Houston team just isn't quite there yet. And I'm excited to hopefully see a Ravens Browns matchup in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with the Browns. I don't know if I agree with the Rams, uh, just because typically the upset that's supposed to happen just doesn't happen. Typically that that NFL team at home responds and kind of lays yeah. the smack down. Like, I, I kind of think... I feel like I, the Packers are a sleeper upset pick this this week, maybe. See, I, in, in terms of, like, that one game that you think is going to be the upset, and then there's another. Bob, you agree with the Packers? You I, like the I think I think possibly so, and I think uh, Jerry Jones maybe hopes so. <laughs> maybe. Um, you never know. No, he wants to win, but we know there's going to be changes afoot if something like that happens. I just want to be on record. I think the Cowboys roll the Packers. I think CeeDee Lamb's going to have 150 yards, and just it's going to be a, a superstar coming out party for him. I, I know he's had a great year and that people have noticed, but doing it in the playoffs puts you on a different level. So, like, I do think – we come out of this season, this playoff run, talking about CeeDee Lamb being, like, a top three receiver. Like, Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, and then, like, somebody else. Tyree Kill or somebody. Like, that, that that's my prediction for that game, as he has a big game in the Cowboys' role. Very last thing, I'm going to be conflicted on Sunday night because we have the football game that we're talking about, Lions and Rams, but it's also the premiere of season four of True Detective. I saw that, and I see it's been getting uh, really good reviews, too. Yeah. I went back, I rewatched uh, Silence of the Lambs to get my Jodie Foster kick going a little bit to see her kind of in a, a role of playing a detective. So I do I do uh, look forward to her in, in True Detective Season 4. But that's what they they, they put all this on the, the internet the next day, Bob. You don't have to, watch it. You don't have to watch it Sunday night. Although, yeah, I mean, especially, again, that's the game you said you're looking forward to, Rams-Lions. I'll record the game and watch it the next day. No, that, <laughs> doesn't, that doesn't really work. But <laughs> Just avoid your phone. Yeah, exactly. Just avoid your phone. Exactly. My upset pick of the weekend, I, I like I like the Dolphins. It might sound really dumb when I come in here on Monday and I'm taking Tua in the cold, but I just think everyone's riding them off and talking about how they can't play in the cold. And if you are looking for an us-against-the-world mentality, nobody believes in us, it would be this warm-weather Miami team going into the cold and just everyone riding them off and then them just coming out and running for 200 yards and Tyree Kill having his big – like hitting one or two big plays to, you know, kind of say, hey, remember me. It's his first home coming back. It is his first time coming back. The last time they played was in, what, Germany? Mm -hmm. And he had that terrible fumble that cost him the game. But, like, I think he hits one big play and the Dolphins run the ball. And I just think the, the Chiefs' lack of weapons, they just can't pull away. So, that's my upset pick of the weekend. All right, we got the Jake Miller, uh, the G.I. Jake Show. Excuse me, G.I. Jake Show. Jake Miller is live at Parkside Kia. Marcus is here getting ready to fire them off. Stay locked in on Fan Run Radio. 